Shirt Show. from Threadbare Print House in Oregon. Let's go! Amy. Hi. Hey, hey, what's happening? Not much. How are you guys? Good. What time I'm is it there? Got, one? Yeah, it's one, and I had to Google it, so I wasn't <laughs> sure if I had the right time. No, you're good. It's different for all of us. It's what? Three o'clock or four, five o'clock for you? Uh, for me, it's three o'clock. For me, it's four o'clock. For you, it's okay. one o'clock. Yeah. 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 So, nice to meet you, Andy um, and Dylan. We've talked before, but nice to officially meet you. Yeah. Nice to meet you too. How's it going there? Um, it's going pretty good. Today is supposed to be a hundred degrees, so we're just sticking inside and, you know, riding, looting in our town last night. <laughs> A pandemic. I guess it's going as well as anywhere else. What, was it really rioting last night? Yeah, we had a group of protesters break windows at the Wells Fargo and the Whole Foods. Is that near your shop? Yeah, a couple blocks. We're on 5th and this happened on 8th. So, so is, your, you... is your shop like downtown where like... Yeah, actually, I'm lucky to have one downtown... I like being central like that. So we're there's downtown and then there's like a the Whitaker, which is kind of where all the breweries are, and we're right in the middle. It's called the market district. So it's close by to lots of people that we print for, which is really nice. And it's awesome. hard to get yeah, it's a good thing, but it's just that we can't really expand because there's not a lot of warehouse space available and affordable in that area. So I love the area, but I don't know how long we'll be able to stay there. Would you be able to keep the storefront and like use that for sales and then have a separate warehouse to do printing in? I guess maybe. I mean, one of the things I like about being so small is that we have customers come in and talk to the printers. And I think that that is, has been an advantage as far as customer service for us. Like, um, to being able to troubleshoot and look at press checks and have people in, have people come watch the printing. I think that'd be really hard to pull off, like have a retail, like a satellite location, you know, where you're selling and you have this counter and then, and then you have a production warehouse. It's even if it's a hundred yards away, just like you said, because when customers come in, it's so cool to, that it's going on right there. You know, that's an important part of us too, you know, that you see the action. Yeah. Like it's right in there. And if you have, like you said, if you have questions about what's going on or printing or anything like that, we had, so in our building, we had, um, we, when we were 5,000 square feet, there was a tent shop right next door to us. And then the space available, which was another 5,000 square feet came, came available on the other side of him. And he didn't want to move. He was like, no, I like the center spot. I'm not moving no matter what. I'm like, if I give you $50,000, would you move down? Nope, not moving. (laughs) Like nothing. He was there. Right. And he was a friend of mine, but he just really liked that spot. But, um, and so I, we, we, we actually considered it, you know, like, well, how would this work? You know, we'd have to leave out of here and go out our front door, walk yeah. down, you know, this far and then into the other spot. 
And I still decided that that wouldn't fly because it's just, it was just too detached. You know, I, I mean, I think, right. I think some people pull it off, but it's not the same. I've thought about it a couple of times, like, cause I'm not in the city, like I'm in a small town. So I always thought like if I rented a small storefront in a downtown, like happening area, like with me, I've got Ithaca. So I've got like Cornell college and all that stuff right there. And especially like Ithaca is very like that town more than any other town I've ever known is more, we only deal with locals. Like a lot of people there, like it's all local groceries, local everything. So like I'm only 20 minutes away, but I still can't get any business from Ithaca because they're like, yeah, we only go to people in Ithaca. I'm like, dude, Mm. like I'm so close. But that's why I was kind of like, if I get a downtown area where I at least have a name on the door, I'd be like, I'm in Ithaca, like I'm in town. So I always thought like if I was there and maybe if it was me or like a manager here, I could spare, I would send them up there and just have it be open a couple days a week, take orders, and then we'll fulfill them here and then drive them up there. But I never, I haven't done it. I just always think about it. I've thought about that. If we could ever have a retail space, we've done, we've tried a little bit of that, like printing t-shirts that say Pacific Wonderland or Eugene and we've got a few big events coming up here like the Olympic trials and stuff like that and it would be nice to have a retail area where we're at right now and we have a nice lobby and everything but we just you know other without doing that I couldn't really see having two locations yeah is Um, Eugene uh is that a college town yeah University of Oregon ducks (laughs) <laughs> do you print is that some of what you print is that a like are they a customer of yours no not really i mean you have to pay the licensing fee to print mm-hmm. for them right and i think it i'm i heard it's ten thousand dollars a year or something and it probably um pays for itself for some of the bigger shops but for us it wouldn't make sense at all so we get like a lot of student groups and we just can't officially print the logo, but we can print, we print for other groups on campus. So it's, it's still nice to have to be near um, a college. Yeah, we do. So So we have a license for, uh, it's called Lindenwood university. And um, I want to say it's like just a couple hundred dollars, but we don't print, we'll print for a, for a football camp or for, um, yeah. for organizations and stuff and we can use their logo, but we don't print merch for the bookstore. In other words, with royalties and right. things like that. Yeah, same. I don't know. I'll forward you the, the, uh, the licensing company. Cause I think they have like a thousand colleges. So I was wondering, I wonder oh, if it was cool. just, if it'd be that easy, you know, maybe you can't print for like the book, the bookstore or whatever, but you can print for, you can use, but you could use their logo. Yeah. We, yeah we, we've done that a little bit with, we have Binghamton university right here and we did it and it was like, I think it was like two grand a year. Um, but the thing that we kept running into that was a pain in the ass was like, anytime you were about to do something, you had to send them a sample or send them like a picture and to get them to approve it. And then you had to send them royalty fees for every job. And then like, I don't know, years ago we were talking about doing the fraternity stuff. And then we found out that you have to pay for all the Greek letters because you can't some dude like trademark all that stuff. It used to be we would get a, a letter every like two months that said, hey, knock, uh, knock it off. You're using Greek letters or whatever, and, we, and we're going to sue you. Did you ever get those? Yeah. Like, I got like, threatening, yeah, threatening mm-hmm. letters. And, and eventually, uh, I just had an, I actually paid money to have an attorney to write back and just say, no, <laughs> like that's not oh, happening. Oh, really? I, 
when I was back in my garage and I didn't know anything about licensing fees actually. So I printed for a sorority and got a cease and desist. That's how I learned about it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's a bummer. Well, how much is that to pay for the, being able to print for the fraternities and sororities? Is that something? Oh, we don't do that. Uh -uh. I don't know what it is anymore, but yeah, we we looked into (laughs) it at one point. (laughs) I just told them, no, like I'm not paying you any. Cause they, you know, uh, like you said, there's a, they sent it, they send out that letter that says, you know, stop it. Or it's just a threatening letter. I think they're just trying to, it seems like they're trying to extort you, extort money out of you, you know? Because right. they follow, they they said they saw something on our Facebook with a Greek letter or whatever. It That's was. exactly what happened to us. They they saw it on our website, so I just took it down. I was like, <laughs> "Well, cool. Like, I'm gonna keep printing this stuff. I'm just not gonna post it on Instagram or Facebook or anything." And I just, yeah, we okay, don't really do a whole lot advice. of that. But yeah, just don't tell anybody. Like, be well, shady Dylan, about right, it. Don't put it off. Dylan, this is our recorded. <laughs> so. I don't care. Come after me. <laughs> we never print. We never print Greek stuff. <laughs> I don't, know about, the, I don't know about you. <laughs> come through the front door. We'll greet you. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. Whatever. So, Amy, what did you do before printing? Oh, froze. Oh, yeah, why to freeze? <laughs> she's she's perma-smile right now. Hey, yeah. you're there. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> it, at least you were smiling the whole time. You weren't making, like, okay, a weird good. face or anything. <laughs> Do you think I need to kick the kids off the Xbox in order because it keeps freezing? Ah, uh, yeah. The kids are it's on that, the Xbox. Does it's that, that affect f- it? It's that Fortnite. <laughs> <sighs> okay, we're gonna try to ask them to get off for a second. They're they're gonna love that. So we're gonna hear a lot of screaming in a minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah. If it was my son, he'd be like punching holes in the wall. God, this especially during COVID and mine are 16 and 14. So luckily I feel like that's a little easier than younger kids with this, but they're not going back to school in the fall or they're going to online school to start. Yeah. Was that a choice that did they give you a choice or is, is that what happened with your, with your district? Yeah, not to start, to start with everyone's going to go online and then they'll reevaluate it and they might, you might, they might do like a hybrid and then you could have a choice to opt out if you wanted. Hmm. That's tough. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's messed up. Cause they gave us that choice too. And they were like, uh, do you want to just basically a, you can use our curriculum and then just teach your kids at home or mm-hmm. you can like actually opt to homeschool your kids, but you have mm-hmm. to like get approved, like what schooling you're going to do. Or you can send your and kids to school, but they have to wear a mask all day and they can only go every other day and they're going to have to like sanitize every... Oh man, I, I can't imagine. I mean, it's a bummer for everybody. What yeah. are you going to, what did you choose to do? I Dylan? Know, I think it's so freezing. I just sold my kids are on they, <laughs> They're both, they're off of it. They like put them up for adoption. No, just Craigslist dad. <laughs> Smart. Yeah. Were you they crying now? at all? or? I don't know. I gave him a couple of sleeping pills, put them in the back of my van. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you homeschool? Yeah, that's how I just, that's how I just bought this press. <laughs> I'm learning all kinds of tips on this show. Yeah, exactly. Sell your kids, get money for... for equipment. Equipment. Yeah. So how'd you start? Um, so I was... Uh, staying home with my kids. Um, so this was a bit like 
2009, 2010. And so I hadn't worked since they were born. And so I, I um, pretty much just somehow got, got the bug and was self-taught trying to learn how to screen print. And this was either before YouTube, or at least I just didn't know about YouTube yet. Um, so I was going to our local craft store on campus and, um, just, you know, building screens out of wood and, um, stapling mesh across them just started really, really lo-fi at the kitchen table and, um, and did that for a while and was just printing little kids clothes and selling them at the Saturday market. And then finally, um, I realized I really wanted to learn how to do the commercial screen printing. I didn't want to print my own designs anymore. I wanted to figure out how people do the next step. And it was, I remember even there was one guy that worked at the art supply store who knew how to screen print. And so he learned it in art class and he would help me. And I would just one time saw the fear in his eyes because I just kept coming in and trying to get information out of him. And I realized there must be a better way. And so finally found screenprinting.com and uh, Ryanette's videos on YouTube. And so that kind of turned on a light bulb. And then I went like, oh, like this is how people do it. So just kept really growing from there. I mean, pretty slowly for several years, I was in the garage. So the business grew really slowly. And then four years ago, we moved into a shop and have employees. And that's kind of when it, when it changed. Did you ever have employees in your garage? I did. Yeah, I did too. It's weird. (laughs) Yeah. We just had two ever one part-time, one full-time and, you know, and, and it worked, but it was, like you said, it's, it's sort of weird, you know, because, uh, I thought it was, maybe it's more weird for them than it was for, for us. Probably. Like is it using just in your bathroom? And, I was going to say, is it weird? Cause they have to go into your house to take a shit. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. The, the person that I hired back then in the garage, my first employee, he still works for me. And that's, um, I hired him when he was 16 and he's probably 22 now. That's awesome. Yeah. That's cool. So he, yeah, he had come or maybe he'd called and, asked if I was hiring, said he wanted to learn how to screen print. And I was like, you don't, you don't know what this shop is. We don't have employees. This is just like me in my garage. But I told him to drop a resume by so that I could take a look. And on his resume, he worked at the YMCA with kids. And so I, summer was coming up and I had two kids at home and I wanted to work on this business. So I proposed to him that if he would help babysit the kids half the week then the other half of the week I would teach him to screen print and we could work on it together so he did it and that's how it started out and for years he still would take my kids for the day and go to the beach and do stuff so that's pretty sweet stuff yeah have you ran into any like big roadblocks from getting from the garage to where you're at now yeah um I mean, maybe most of them were mental roadblocks when you're, I was at at the time when I ended up moving into the shop, I was single and working out of a garage and it was just a scary leap. And, um, you know, people, I think when people haven't seen you and maybe because I was a woman and it's not very common 
but when people haven't really seen you in that role, it's, it seems really scary for everyone, including myself. And so I had people saying like, Oh, you know, you want to get this shop and the rent's $1,500, but you know, is your business making an extra $1,500 a month? And I was like, no, <laughs> but how's it, how am I ever going to grow if I'm right. here at my house and customers are coming and I have to tell people, you know, where I live all the time. I don't like people coming over here all the time. So I took a leap and then I was so glad that I did. It's worked out. Have you noticed any differences? I mean, just with being a woman owned business, like being anything, any different? Um, I don't think, I don't think people treat me any differently or anything. I mean, the difference is that it's definitely a boys club, this screen printing life. And, um, I like being, you know, getting to know people. I like being in the club. Like it's been a really fun, everyone's been really nice and more and more, I meet more and more women that screen print. So it's, yeah, it hasn't been a hurdle except for maybe that mental hurdle. I mean, I had in the beginning, you know, like I was printing school, I was printing t-shirts for my kid's school and I had been for a year or two. And then I, one of the moms was like, Oh, I just thought this was your, you and your husband's business. And I was like, why would you think that? Like it's never, that's never even been an option. So there, I think that those aren't necessarily obstacles, but it's just been different. Yeah. It's, to me, it's a little weird just because like, I don't see, like, I have a lot of like women friends that do like just as good at everything, like businesses and everything. And people always say like women own this and it, like, it makes a difference to me, but it's like everybody, right. I feel like everybody's on the same playing field. But it, for me, it's weird. I don't know if Oregon has this, but like here we have, like, if you're a woman owned business in New York, you get like way better, like grants and all this other stuff than like anybody else. And do you like do any of that or take advantage of that? I know like the school specifically, like even our like local school, like there's certain orders mm -hmm. they send us, but a lot of them, they're like, well, we can get this fully paid for by the state if we use like a minority or a women-owned business. I'm like, doesn't make any sense. Uh, yeah, like, I've heard about that. And I, I think I looked up the process once with the state of Oregon, but I didn't follow through with it. I guess I assumed it would be a lot of contract work for road crews or something that we don't mm. really specialize in so i feel like it's just like it. state run or state funded organizations that they they want to make sure that they're using i guess minority or business, like just different things and i don't know it's just i run into that all the time where i'm like oh i'm ready for this next order and they're like we can't we have to find like does your wife run your business and i'm like no <laughs> And it's like, oh, that's uh, yeah, that's kind of that. I mean, that's weird. I, I, I've noticed that sometimes other women run businesses are happy to work with us. I don't think people really seek us out and say like, right. I'm going to choose Threadbare over someone else because it's women run, but you know, I don't, it's not bad for business. I think sometimes that's important to people, but I also don't want it to be like the first thing. I mean, I want yeah. people to use us cause we're good. Right, exactly. You want to just be, you just yeah. want to be another printer. You don't necessarily yeah. need it to be like, we're just like a woman. When, um, yeah. when, when we moved from the garage to an actual retail spot, I noticed people treated us different or treated me different. Like they, customers, I should say, you know, when we were out of right. the garage, it was, oh, you know, the, uh, I want you to, like people rallied behind us. You know, they'd want to, I'm going to go find you some orders and this kind of thing. 
And then when mm-hmm. we got to the retail spot, all of a sudden, you know, then we were these days, especially where tr- everyone's treated like, you know, they expect uh, target type service, you know, like you're, it's right. tough, you know, like um, you're, whole, you're held to a different standard when you're in your garage than when you're at a retail shop. Did you notice that uh, happened with you too when you, when you moved? Um, yeah, I did. I mean, I think people were more forgiving back then. And I have a lot of customers that still remember me from the garage days. And sometimes I'm shocked that they kept coming because I was a terrible screen printer. I'm still not (laughs) a very good screen printer. (laughs) I mean, that's why I hired people who are good at it. But yeah, like I just didn't know what I didn't know back then and made so many mistakes. But I think because I was in the garage, people you know, wanted to rally behind that and support the small, the small guy. And so we, we got through it. Yeah. Same here. It's weird. Like, um, it's weird how it works, especially now with turnaround and things like that, uh, too, you know, and, or shipping or something like that, you know, it's, it's just so tough or to be, to be measured against, you know, like, uh, just a giant organization and we're just a small business, you know, and, Right. Uh, but, but most people are pretty cool. Like our community, um, still, still we're local. Most of our business is local and most people are pretty cool, but you get, you get the ones that are, are demanding, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I just was curious if it happened most to you our, too. Yeah, definitely. Most of our business is local and I, um, we've started to print for a few places a little bit farther away, a few shops in California and, um, like a yoga retreat that was in Australia this last winter. So it's been expanding and I do feel like there's a different level of trying to prove ourselves when people don't already know us and get recommended by a friend here in town. Gotcha. What is your, so you're a graphic tee shop more than like a sports teams or, or that kind of thing. I mean, what's your yeah. focus? Um, yeah, so we're all water-based screen printing. So that, um, that limits us from a lot of the sports teams and uniforms. So we don't do very much of that. Um, we do a lot for running groups and breweries, uh, a lot of dispensaries. Um, but yeah, mostly graphic logos on t-shirts. Did you pick water base for like, you know, economic reasons or did you? Well, I mean, I picked it because I learned from a hobby craft store and that's the speedball links is, <laughs> yeah. And so then once I finally learned that that's not how t-shirts get printed in the real world, um, I just decided to kind of stick with it because I knew it, I guess. And I hadn't ever worked in another print shop and I didn't really know how things were supposed to get done. So just kind of incrementally stuck with it. And then at some point realized I should maybe make a decision to try Plastisol and then just didn't. And so decided to commit to it with the hopes of it being a more sustainable, eco-friendly option, which always learning. And I've come to learn that's not necessarily, um, but we're trying to, our goal for 2020 was to really just like double down on the sustainability thing, really learn so much more and educate ourselves on how we could be a better print shop and, I mean, we're not there yet by any means. What have means, you but, What have you found so far? Like, what did What have you put into place to be more eco friendly? Oh, I mean, we've tried to back off of using discharge inks so much. So part of that is just educating our customers on like, well, 
we do a lot of test prints and a lot of press checks so that we can say, you know, this is how it's going to look. Um, or we could get you a bright, bright red on a black shirt, but just so you know, it's going to be toxic, more toxic. Um, so that, and then filtration systems in our sink, and then even just like we eliminated paper towels and got reusable um, towels in our shop and a compost bin. And I mean, we've just been trying to do all the little things. That's one thing that can... like we, we have in our shop, but it's not at all thinking about the environment. It's just cause I always forget. And like, I always forget to get paper towels. So like in our yeah. bathroom next to the toilet, we have a hook and I just always put like a random shitty shop rag shirt. So people like dry their yeah. hands off on this like shirt and everybody knows like shirts don't absorb water very well. So it's just like a horrible rag to like wipe your hands off. It's always just because T-shirts I forget are the worst it. for trying to dry your hands, <laughs> but it, it's there. And I mean, whatever shake dry, I guess. Well, our system right now is not great either. I mean, everybody has their own hook and a picture above their hook and then uh, a dirty laundry, but I have to take that home and wash right. it because we don't have a washing machine at home. So it's trying to do little things. I mean, we got a, a little bit sidelined on our sustainability goals with COVID just because focus has been elsewhere. But mm-hmm. as we grow and like think about next purchases and yeah. uh, equipment to buy, that's what we'll, well me and you, Well, me and you are both on the quest at the same time, I feel like, with trying to find something other than poly bags for... Oh, stuff. yeah. And we were doing... You found... Uh, you were doing the paper wraps and that's what I was looking yeah. into as well. But I, again, COVID happened and I kind of stopped looking right now, but I would like to look into that more. What's the I paper wrap? What is that? Well, you, Amy got further than I did, so she can tell you. Well, we have these big rolls of unbleached paper. They're like two inches wide. They actually, a case of them was in my shop when I moved in. Um, and then we've since ordered more, but we were just um, rolling shirts and then um, so rolling them oh, up and then yeah, yeah, putting yeah. a piece of paper and taping it um, and then marking the size on there. And my goal with that was just to start showing our customers that we can offer that to them. And again, we got kind of sidelined. But. Yeah. Well, it's just like us, like we were doing a lot of like fulfillment for certain customers and we were putting everything in like a poly mailer and sending it out just like you can buy cheap poly mailers, send them out. And then I got to see like, man, we're sending out thousands and thousands of plastic bags. And I was like, and in New York, they ban plastic bags too. Like you go to a grocery store, you can't get a plastic bag. Um, So I was like, we need to get rid of these plastic bags. So I ended up finding some that were biodegradable and they're just as good as far as like the bag, but they're like a little over twice as much as buying a poly bag. Mm -hmm. Like, I buy, I don't remember what the cost is, but say I can buy a thousand regular poly bags for like 50, 40 something dollars or whatever. A thousand uh, biodegradable bags is like $108. So it's like over double yeah, we, the cost. But we bought those too. But now I'm also shipping. like, I feel, yeah, I feel better sending them out knowing that if they do get in a landfill, they'll break down. It's not like I'm sending out thousands and thousands of just plastic bags that go. But then again, we get these customers that come in that you know we're like here's a couple thousand piece order that i need and i want everything folded and bagged and then put in their box and sent to them because they want to put it in a warehouse and have it picked but i get that you want it bagged because you don't want it sitting in a warehouse and getting dust on it and everything else like it makes sense but there's there needs to be an 
a different like there needs to be biodegradable versions of that that I want to get. Yeah, exactly. We have um, one customer that sends us a lot of Dekine backpacks that we print on and we'll just have, and each backpack is individually wrapped in plastic and we're just taking them out and having these huge, huge piles of plastic in the shop. So I emailed them one time and asked them if they could stop doing that. (laughs) I was thinking the same thing we got in, I don't want to say the company because I don't want to run through the mud, but we ended up ordering a bunch of shorts for a customer and every single short, like it was a couple hundred pairs of shorts. Every, A, it sucks. Like even if it's not an environment issue, it sucks for the person counting in when every piece is folded in, in a plastic bag. You're like ripping it open, laying it out. And then yep. you end up, like you said, like two trash cans full of plastic bags. Yeah, we that, once did a, a shirt for a run and the, and the and we didn't buy the shirts. Uh, somebody else, the coordinator, the event coordinator did. They arrived here. There were 6,000 shirts individually bagged. And I had to pay, I think it was three people for over three days to even unbag them. You know, and yeah. then what do you do with six thousand yeah. bags? You know, it was right, just exactly. the worst. And they're they're and probably then, not even recyclable. No, they weren't. Yeah, no, exactly. they're going right into the landfill. And but you're right. But what you were saying is true. Is you want to preserve the quality of the of the shirt that's in the right. Bag. You don't want the shirt to go to shit, but you yeah. also want to make sure that you're not just putting a piece of plastic in the ground. Like yeah. there needs. I mean, there probably is somewhere. There's somebody's got to have you know biodegradable versions of that. If but, not, let's make let's make them. Right, there and become That's how trillionaires. Get yeah. rich. <laughs> It'll be so easy. And then all you do is sneeze on it, and it just falls apart in your hands. And you're like, oh shit! <laughs> so you have so, a press, or one press, or two presses? What, how, what do you have? What do you run? We have two two manuals. And we were talking. That's how we got to talking about doing this podcast. Is you were talking about what? When is the right time to get an auto? So tell me about your your issues and your problem with why you think now's the time. Well, yeah, I mean, we, uh, well, I was asking you, Dylan, if you thought getting an auto would be a smart move for us, knowing the volume we do and the sales and stuff. And I think that, and I've asked a few different people, I think that the answer is yes, but we're limited because of the size of our shop. Right. So it's 1,500 square feet, and we just couldn't fit an auto in there. It's it's a pretty narrow garage. And so that then the problem is, well, we first have to move. That's going to be really expensive, moving the equipment, um, paying more for a lease. Well, with, then, doing, with doing water-based, well, how, what's your average shirt or, like, color count for an order? Um, you mean how many colors in the design? Yeah. Yeah, we try to keep it under four. I mean, we'll, yeah. we can print up to six. If we do a, most weeks print something, six Because I know a couple but, printers, I mean, there's a lot of printers that do water-based that do like a lot of color counts, but there's a couple that I know specifically that they um, they try to keep it under, you know, like like Jared Hennis, I was talking to him and he's with his shop. Yeah. He tries to keep it under three all the time. I mean, I know that kind yeah, of limits you with customers, but... What if you just got a small auto, like a six color? Yeah, I still don't think that would fit. I mean, we've tried to map it out and also just the expense of putting it in there, the air compressor, putting all that together and then still wanting to move when our lease is up in a year and a half or when we hopefully can. So I almost feel like, you know, before we get an auto, we should move so that we're somewhere we could stay for 
five or ten years. I guess it just depends on how much space you have or what you need. Do you have a place that you want to move to? Something in mind? Um, yeah. I mean, I look at shops or and warehouse space around town all the time. And, you know, you guys were talking with in-house prints about the idea of buying, buying commercial real estate instead of renting. And that would be amazing. So, I mean, I think I've come to the conclusion that for now, because of the pandemic and everything, uh, we should just sit tight and suffer it out a little bit longer. And then maybe a year or two from now, be in it to see where we're at to make big, to try to make any big moves. Yeah. So I guess for other people that would listen to this, like where, why were you thinking about getting auto? Were you, were you working late every night? Were you just tired right. of printing? Were you sales wise at a certain point where you just thought that's what you needed to do or what was happening? Yeah. We've had to turn away a couple of jobs because they were really needed in auto, like um, some simulated process jobs that we just wouldn't be able to get the right consistency on our manuals, especially in this 90 degree heat. You know, we know our limits. And so I've sent a few jobs that are, you know, either complicated artwork or high volume, like a couple thousand garments up to a different shop that helps us out and will help um, print on their auto for us. So that's a nice relationship to have. But, you know, I mean, going to conferences, talking to other print shop owners, it just seems like you're not really even in the game until you have an auto. And I want to keep growing. I want to keep everybody employed and save their wrists and their backs. And (laughs) it feels like we're probably, we're probably there if we could. Yeah. I guess it just depends on what niche you're in. You know what I mean? You can be a print shop yeah. that does certain orders. Like if you're just doing, you know, breweries and stuff in your local town and you're more than capable, maybe you should stay manual. But if you were trying to, like you were saying, like branch out to, you know, printing for people in Australia or, you know, across the U S or whatever, like, it's only going to grow at that point. You know, you're not going to just be doing local. You're going to just every year it's going to get bigger and bigger. It's like with us, like we've never been a local shop. We've always done national stuff. And it's like, you can't stop the growth to a degree. You know what I mean? Cause if you print for somebody in California and they tell 10 people they're going to, it's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Like if you're just doing local, it's like once you get to a point where even if you print it for every business in town, like, Right. you're still only going to print for every business in town. Like, so I feel like if you yeah. reach to that every year, you're just going to get bigger no matter what happens. Well, I think that's what it feels like is, you know, that there's only a limit to so many breweries and the dispensaries and small businesses in this town. And I mean, I drive around and see stuff we print all over and, right. you know, on every block is somebody we print for. So I, in order to grow, it seems like we need to work on expanding outside of our town and work on even other, I don't know. I don't know how you do that exactly, but if, if the idea is to keep growing, it seems like you, you would have to get an auto. Yeah. Do you guys have like a sales team or do you just have like a, like a customer service team that just does emails? We, that's me for the most part. We have three people at the front of the house. So myself, graphic designer, and then Jem, who helps us with uh, ordering and counting in shirts. And 
lots of things. Um, and then we have three people in the back printing. And then we have another guy, Buzz, who um, he he's Later. a great printer and he prints for us. Yeah. <laughs> he prints for us and he's really a talented printer, but I, he's been helping me more with emails, which has been amazing to finally <laughs> not just respond to every person that contacts us because I was getting yeah. really burned out on that. Yeah. No, I, I was in the same boat with that, and I'm glad I'm not doing that every single day. So do you do you hunt down stuff, or do you hit people up, or do you just, like, just answering the emails that come in every day? Everything we, we've done has been word of mouth or come through our website. I've never – not never. I, I tried to do more of that at the beginning of this year, start reaching out to some bigger companies that I knew of that were local – I think with that, I've been afraid to step on anyone else's toes because um, there's one brewery that I've printed for since the beginning, and it's been such a great, loyal customer. And they told me about a another print shop in town that just constantly sends sales reps in there and tries to get their business. And so I, and it's a big shop. So I've been like, you guys print for the U of O, like, just give me the little breweries. And so I haven't wanted to do that to anyone else, I guess. Yeah. We kind of have a role here where like, I know a lot of printers, like just from being in an industry, like I said, we print stuff all over the place. Like if I go to a place and they tell me they already have a print shop and I know that print shop, I back off. Mm -hmm. But if yeah. that company contacts me, like if I don't contact them and they contact me, then I feel like it's fair game because if they're contacting me, obviously there's something about their current printer they're not happy with. Like it could be somebody well, yeah. I know really well and I'm kind of like, eh, but they obviously don't like something. So. I, well, and that's I what always... sales should be right. Yeah. Kind of like, I think, you know, if, if we could do a better service for you, then that's what they would like. I contact every uh, customer you post on Instagram, Dylan, right. and I tell them that we're going to definitely do it better. We've had that. Uh, we've, <laughs> and uh, we've had that. You've had people do that to you? Yeah. 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 I don't post a whole lot of our customers on. I do. I, uh, <laughs> I don't care. But, uh, I, but we, I do too, actually. <laughs> you do I just what? feel like, I just feel like we do a good job for people. And if mm -hmm. they're, if they're, if they're a kind, the kind of customer who's just looking for somebody that's cheaper, I'm probably better off not having them as a customer anyway. It's true. That's true. So if they want to, you know, go to the other guy, they're going to find out the reason why he's cheaper. And then they'll come back. <laughs> yeah, that happens a lot, actually. You know, mm -hmm. you'll you'll print for somebody for a long time. Uh, well, something that happens too is we print for somebody, and then it goes away, and then maybe a year later it shows back up, but it's not it's not through them directly; it's through a contractor or something like that. Yeah, it's crazy, oh, you right. know. But no. um, that's kind of why, like, when we started, we were doing a lot of bands, and it was like they are so they'll. You, you could let them sleep in your house when they come through like on tour and they'll be like grateful for that, but they will leave you the next day. If there's another shop that will do it for 10 cents cheaper. <laughs> like, so we try to get out of the band game. It's the same reason why we'd stop. Do, we don't really do a lot of schools or anything like that. Cause I feel like it's the same thing. Like you could bust your ass for a school and get like all It's always the shittiest orders. It's like Joanne son, grew two inches and now the shirt doesn't fit him anymore within the last week and he needs one more shirt or like they forgot something yeah. or whatever. And it's like, you always work harder for those orders. And then 
the committee members who gave you the order, somebody else comes in and they're like, oh, my brother's cousin's nephew prints in his basement and he's one of the, he wants to do them. And then they go to him. And it's like, there's no loyalty. It's like, we just go to who's cheaper or who's more convenient or we don't want to hurt this person's feelings. So it's like, I feel like I've stepped back from that over the years and I've been like, let's just go to people where like I can make like handshake deals or like I can make friends with this person that I'll have for life, you know what I mean? And help them out. So I feel like that's, that's kind of where we've tried to get to is all of our customers are people that we know really well. So That's kind of food for thought for me actually, cause I'm always, you know, I think part of um, never having worked in a, another shop before and until recently, not even talking to other screen printing shop owners, I always have a sense of like not quite knowing what I'm doing and so the idea of like always needing to get bigger and get an auto in order to be successful, like, I mean, you're giving me pause because actually the customers we do have now care about working with us because they're right. loyal. They're I think that's way aspects. more, I think that's way more important than trying to just get bigger. Like I feel like getting right. bigger isn't the goal. It should be to just like have consistent, like good customers. And like, like I have customers too, that like we have tons of orders every week, but there's customers that I have that I've had for eight, 10 years that like, I give them priority over everybody because they're not, they might be big customers, but they're also like extremely loyal customers. So like right. I have a normal turnaround, say it's 10 to 15 business days or whatever. If I have this brewery that's huge, that like, we love them, they love us and we're like really good friends. I'll do their stuff in like four days. Like, I'll be yeah. like, hey, let's get it done, get it out, give it to them because they're great people. And we have a ton of people that we do that for. But if you're just like this person that came in as hunting for just random orders, you're going to go on regular turnaround. Like not to be a dick, but it's like you're like, you know, you got to treat your loyal, good customers well. And I feel like just trying to be busy to be busy isn't the goal. I feel like it's just like get the customers that you want and stuff like that and Build those relationships. Yeah, build those relationships, sure. yeah. I think it's also about, um, as far as getting bigger goes, is work-life balance, you know, because for a while there, um, I, I was okay with me if I was here for 12 hours a day um, and Saturdays included, Sundays even, it didn't matter. Like that was just, I was all in, you know, no matter what, I was going to be here, we were going to be printing and that was awesome. But all of a sudden, at a certain point, I was like, wait a second, you know, I'm like, I'm just, this is all I do. And yeah, I loved it, but at the same time, I want to go on a walk or I want to do something else on a Saturday than, than be stuck here because I've sacrificed a lot of Saturdays. And I'm glad I did that. I don't regret it. I'm not saying I do, but at a certain point, you have to decide, well, you know, is it, is it worth it? Do I want to be bigger or am I happier just at this size, you know? Because yeah, you, you, all of a sudden you, uh, I think just one automatic would maybe change you necessarily wouldn't have to hire more people. You could you could have the same amount of people. You're not going to have to. It's not like this automatic going to replace an employee or anything. It would just make the current employees' lives better. You know, right? Like, and, and so, and also make your business if you wanted to. Um, maybe you'd get out of the shop at five instead of staying till eight because you're trying to finish up an order. You know, having an auto could change your life that way. Not necessarily growing your, you know, total sales or something. Yeah. Well, and I think it would help us turn jobs around. 
yeah, better for employees. I, I want to keep the same team that we have or the same amount of people, but just get more efficient and be able to have better equipment and turn things around a lot faster. Yeah. And it's like me and Andy have talked about this too, is it's like we, we invest in these better equipment. Yeah. Because it gives you a better quality product because it's more consistent, but it's also like for your employees, like, like yeah. one of the main reasons why you buy like an auto reclaim isn't necessarily for, I feel like it's 50, 50. Yeah. You have a ton of screens you have to get out, but it's also like, that's the job that you have the most turnaround for because nobody wants to sit there and scrub screens all day long. So if yeah, you get yeah. a machine quality that they can life. just feed it into, yeah, like quality of life, it's like you, you slow that process down. Like you keep people now and they, they're okay with that job or, right. you know, And whatever. you move that employee that was on that job or on that task in that role and you take them, just like you said, all of a sudden they're helping you with emails or, or whatever. Maybe they're on a press assistant. Or watching know. your kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we exactly. wear lots of hats around here yeah um yeah it does seem like that more money more problems kind of thing you know the more i talk to bigger print shops it's uh and the one time that we did a, a contract type job you know i mean we don't have an auto it doesn't make sense for us to do that we kind of did this hybrid thing for a third party and it was just a nightmare it was like so many problems didn't enjoy working with that customer. They didn't really appreciate who we were and what we were about. And so I guess right. I should, you know, realize that's not the direction we're trying to go in. Yeah. I, I don't want to bash it because there are a lot of shops that do contract that that's their thing. Like that's what they want to do, but I wouldn't use that as a goal. I wouldn't try to do contract. Yeah. I would try to do as much direct to customer as possible. I feel like a lot of people step into contract because they're scared that they don't have a lot of clients and it's slow or whatever and they get contract and then they end up spending more time trying to do a good job for the contract for the other company. Like you're, you're basically making that other company look really good and your name's not even on it. And then right. all the customers that you have that are loyal to you go on the back burner sometimes because you're like, shit, I got to get this order out in two days or they're never going to work with us ever again. And then the other company that is directly tied to your name, like gets thrown into the bus because you're like, oh, I can do that in a couple of days or whatever. So. so you guys don't do contract work? No. We do. Yeah. Um, just a small percentage. And I wouldn't call it contract. Uh, there's a couple of accounts maybe. We have a handful of customers that are, I guess, contract-based customers. But a, a few of them, maybe three, I'd say, are more just partners. You know, we have a, a daily almost relationship with them. So we're getting orders daily. And okay. um, that is a, so there's like a certain point of contact as a person that we're dealing with. And, and that relationship is good because we've built it over time and um, it's a win-win, you know? And, and so, so it works, right. but like, I think I know, con I know shops that are just contract only and kind of like what Dylan says is that it's, that's tough, you know, and also you're fighting just, for pennies. Yeah, it's you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel yeah. like I, I feel like like you're saying, Andy, like we, we've done that before where like we're one of the bigger shops around and there's a lot of tiny shops in the city like near us or whatever. And a lot of them just want to be like a storefront and don't actually do any printing and they want to send the printing to us. Those are people that I'm like, OK, like we'll print for once in a while because it's smaller orders, whatever. I give them my most of the time like what we want is we want to be able to give them our pricing. You know what I mean? We want to be like, this is our contract priceless. But at a certain point you hit a tier where it's like, 
they're a broker or they're a huge company that wants to do contract with you, you have no say over the price. They're like, this is what I'm paying, take it or leave it. And that's why I feel like a lot of people fall in the hole of is they're like, oh, I want the work because these companies will give you a lot of work, but it's like, is it worth it? Like you're making literally like five cents a shirt or something. And it's like, if that was our job, we would be making like $4 a shirt. Like, Yeah, I'm in the middle of working out a similar um, relationship and contract with with a company. It's a school, it's like a spirit wire company and they're not local, but um, they really wanted the water base and, and they weren't finding it, I guess. And so I explained that I don't do contract printing, but we've worked out a hybrid. It's kind of in the middle and they're guaranteeing us this much. Well, with schools being what they are right now, it's a little up in the air, but they're guaranteeing us this much work. And so then I'm giving them a price that's much lower. I would just make sure that it's your price. Like if it's something you're comfortable with, like you're right. Like just don't let them give you a price list and be like, this is what I'm paying. Cause then it's like, yeah, they came to me with what they were paying before. And I was just like, Oh, manually printing. We will just lose money. That doesn't work. So we met in the middle. If I ever discount pricing, which is rare, um, until maybe now uh, COVID we're a little more aggressive with quoting, but if we were to ever discount pricing, I've always just had to justify it. You know, if like somebody's at the counter and they're like, Hey, you know, there's 500 shirts and, Oh, you know, we want to come here and it's 50 cents less. If we're in overtime, I'm not going to discount. I'm just like, look, we're, we're, there's just no reason for me to discount. But if let's just, right. we're, let's say we're in standard, standard time, um, then I have, to, there has to be a reason. So for example, like if they have, let's say they already, they're bringing art to me, you know, and so I'm not, we're not going to spend two hours on art it's just done and it's ready to go. Mm-hmm. Well then, then that's a reason I can say, okay, fine. Well, well, there's 50 cents or something. You know what I mean? Not just willy nilly. Okay, fine. We'll, we'll discount it a dollar. You know, like I use, there has to be a reason for me to justify. And so I think that's important when like that, that customer who's, who's reaching out to you that says, um, we want water base and this is a school or whatever. Maybe they're doing, they're taking some sort and you're going to discount your price a bit. Maybe they're, they're mm-hmm. doing something for you that you don't have to, you know, some like maybe they're dealing with the school and in, in whatever capacity, you know what I mean? And I feel like yeah, you doing are. water base, you should, oh, you should even charge more for that just because it's a harder thing. Like they're coming to you because they can't get anywhere else. Well, one thing they're doing is they're also ordering all the garments and sending them to us. So then I worked out with them how many extras and what happens if there's a manufacturer defect, what happens if we do a misprint, you know, we worked out all those details ahead of time, which I think is, is good. And I mean, I, I think in the end, I feel good about the pricing if it ends up being the amount of volume that, and again, during COVID, like we're trying to get creative. Yeah. Have you ever heard of like the dream 100 list? No, no. That's kind of what I've done for pretty much since we started. Um, Tell us about it, Dylan. It's, it's a thing. (laughs) It sounds Um, amazing. So anyway, I've been doing it. I've been doing it on my own. Like I didn't know it was a thing. Um, And then like maybe four years ago, I, I found a video that was like dream 100 list. And I was like, all right, like, what is this? And I was, you know, trying to better myself and all sorts of stuff. Well, anyway, like <laughs> I found this and then he described how he did his business as this dream 100 list. And I was like, shit, that's basically what I've been doing. Uh, but he gave me like a couple of key things that was like, made me 
get into it more and realize that this is like a real sales tool. Basically, it's like it doesn't have to be a list of 100 companies, but it's like make a list of people you want to work with. You know what I mean? So say like for me, I'm into like motorcycles and I'm into um, like comic books and like all these other things. Like those are there's companies out there that I really want to work with that to me seem a little bit unobtainable. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, I don't know if they would work with me, whatever. Um, so the, the, the thing is to make a list of those companies and then on that list, make like points of contact that you can find for those companies. So it's like, all right, here's the, I found out that this person's email address that goes with this, or I found a shipping address that goes with this or whatever. And then not, it sounds kind of like, like you're kind of being a stalker. But like I said, if you're like, if you're into that company anyway, you know what I mean? Don't like just go find random companies and be like, I'm going to work with them. It's like find ones right. that you really want to work with. So like you're already following them on social media. You're already listening to their podcast or their YouTube channel or whatever. And it's like basically find those points of contact. And then when something arises, like send them an email and be like, Hey, I really love what you do. Talk to them about themselves. Like, don't just be like, Hey, uh, do you need t-shirts? I want to print them. See ya. Like be right. like, Hey, I listened to that one podcast where you're talking about this. It really, you know, struck a chord with me. Talk like start a conversation. It doesn't at all have to be about printing. And then just like get the ball rolling. And then like, if you're following that person and then you see that they're like, Oh, I really like this design. Someone sent me, you could send them a message and be like, Hey, I saw that you had this design. I would love to print it for you, whatever. And then like get the ball rolling again. So the, the guy that was doing the Dream 100 basically said it's like X amount of times a point of contact or whatever, where like you might yeah. you might make like a, like a mailer box. And we've done this before where you have a box where we have like two of our upstate tees, like a mug, a hat, whatever else, just some cool stuff in there. And then we send it to them and it's like a personalized note in there like, hey, we really want to work with you, whatever. And then we've gotten some like really big customers that way. And that we've had yeah, for like, years because they know that we're interested in them because we like their company and we like their values and not just like trying to sell them. So like one example of like one of the companies that we did stuff for was that um, this bar saves lives there, the Kristen Bell's company. She makes those granola oh, okay. bars or they sell them at like, that was one of those things where like I was interested in what they were doing. Um, and I followed them, I sent them a message and I, I sent them a message on Instagram. that was just like, Hey, like, I really love what you're doing with this thing. I saw that you posted, I think at the time they had tote bags only. It was like their first piece of merch or whatever. They were like, Oh, we mm -hmm. got tote bags now. And I was like, Hey, like I talked to them about their thing. And I was like, I really love to work with you. I'd really love to print some t-shirts. And then they responded they were like, hell yeah, let's, uh, like, what do you, we don't know anything about t-shirts. Like what? And I, right then my mind was like, I know a lot about t-shirts <laughs> and it was like, you know what I mean? It was like, um, yeah, give me your address. Like I will right now order you samples of like Bella and like all these other things. Like, Oh, do you want like tank tops? Do you like ladies tees? I just immediately that day ordered samples from the distro, had them shipped directly to them. They got them two days later and their minds were blown that like we were on it with customer service. You know what I mean? And then they've ordered a couple times from us where like it's a big order, you know what I mean? And we did exactly what they asked for. We helped them out. And I just feel like that's a good way to get like really big clients. And you're like, people all the time are like, how'd you get to work with this person? And it's like, well, I 
did the work and right. That's the thing is like, if you get one of those people there, they know a lot of people. So then those people tell a lot of their important friends or people that own big companies and stuff. And then you, and they just like goes crazy after that. But so I would say to try that. I think that's, it's almost sounds cheesy to say it, but like trying to manifest it has worked, you know, for us, like some of the cool hip creative type businesses or coffee shops in our town. And I thought, Ooh, I'd love to print for them. And then we do. Yeah. (laughs) You just, you just (laughs) think it and it happens. (laughs) Yeah. I need to be a little more proactive (laughs) and Uh, back to what Andy was saying about quoting too. And you're saying that you stick to your prices. One of the reasons I'm trying to get um, buzz and anyone else to help me with quoting is because I constantly give discounts. Oh, you do? You said you constantly do? Constantly. <laughs> because uh, when somebody asks, you, you're saying that the customer replies back after your quote and says, that's oh, too high? Or how, or how do you go or about Or I... You just feel bad. I, yeah. I think, oh, maybe my prices are too high or this is a nonprofit. Maybe I... Or like, oh, you know, I really like these guys, so we'll just take $2 off here. <laughs> well, I guess... That's fair. I mean, if it's a non, if it's for a good cause or a nonprofit, so we have a, we're asked constantly, I'm sure you guys are too, uh, to, for sponsorships, right? So they'll come in and, Hey, right. we're, we're doing a hundred, we're doing, we need a hundred shirts for, for an Alzheimer's walk or whatever, um, autism walk. And since we're asked so often, uh, you know, I think some people, when they come in, they think that we're going to give, we, we have the ability to give the whole shirt and all the printing for at no cost, you know, but well, wait a second, you know, this is, We've got, we've got employees and rent and all these things. So what we came up with is I have two, I have a signature, two signatures actually, and uh, that we use to reply to those either at the front counter or in emails. And one of them is, is we don't sponsor any, anything but um, things that are for a charity, right? And not, we don't sponsor a, like a baseball team, but um, the other one, and so it's a no, but the other one that's a yes is that we'll sponsor everyone. And our deal is, is that we'll, um, we'll go on the back of your shirt. So most of the time they have logo sponsors on the back of the shirt and we'll have logo inclusion for, for shirt Kong and the back of your shirt is free. And so the front of the, you oh, come okay. in and buy, buy the shirt just like normal and buy the front just like normal. And then we're going to print all those logos on the back for free. And uh, that way we yeah. can spread the love to, you know, everyone who, who asks us for a sponsorship instead of just picking one or two and saying no to the rest. You know what I mean? So we discount uh, in, that, in that way. That's a good way to do it too, because then your logo can be the full bag, <laughs> and then everybody else's tiny logo. Like why is yours so so big? Well, everyone's so small. We printed it for free. What'd you expect? <laughs> yeah, but and I mean, those back prints are always one color. So we always yeah. do, and do some people they'll say that we want more colors. But like, wait, wait, no, you're trying to. This is to raise money, right? Well, make it one color, you know, because yeah. you're trying to make the most out of this whole. Well, whole you make night. shirt Kong in white, and then you make all the other logos in just a shade lighter than the shirt color. <laughs> <laughs> Transparent ink. Right. <laughs> well, having somebody that can help you quote though is so. I have there's three people that that um, well not so there's somebody embroidery, but as far as screen printing, there's three people that can quote all day. I do a little bit, but. Um, you, like you're as the leader, as the owner, you know, you have so many other things going on, right? And big picture stuff, but also, yeah, you do operations too. We're a small business tonight, so I'm stuck in some operations management. But I think that with quoting, 
uh, and we do so much of it that having somebody that does it every day that they're that's their job and they can spend the right amount of time, you know, instead of me being like, God, I got to go do this or I got to go do that. And then I rush this quote out or, or do whatever. You, know, you have somebody that has the time that to do a really good job of it, not saying that you're dumb, but when I'm rushed, I, I always like do a less, I, I kind of cheat, you know, and I go fast as possible. And we have signatures for quotes, by the way, which I hope, I mean, you probably have set up too. And so it already, man, it automatically loads in everything that we need, except we just change out that with one color or whatever. And, and, and they're really good at it. You know, like the, they're, they're fantastic. These girls that they're so used to quoting that they know the pitfalls and they know, and they can follow up properly. And then the person calls and asks for them. Right. They're, they're fantastic at it. And somebody, having somebody that's dedicated to that instead of you doing all of that was, was a huge move, you know? Well, so. even just up until last summer, I didn't even have a price list because we're small and I'm the only one quoting, it was all in my head and I would research blank costs and then quote. Mm -hmm. So, so much researching blank quotes over and over. So last summer I got together a price list finally. And then, yeah, recently we built in a whole bunch of templates into the couple, a couple of us that do quoting into the emails. So that template thing you can use on Google. So there's like a mask one, a general t-shirt quote, like you know, we have six or seven of them and that's been huge. Like, why didn't I do that sooner? It's funny you said that. I, we used to do for, for years, I used to have it all in my head quote, you know, like if somebody called up and said, Hey, I want 500 shirts, three color front, I would just know. But, uh, yeah. every once in a while it was a little bit different. And then, you know, you have, Hey, my friend came in here and got, you know, the same thing for it. And why am I paying more, you know? And so <laughs> I was like, ah, crap, you know, but I think having a, a, a price list is, that's that's easy that somebody can you can train somebody on in a day or something like that you know yeah is 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 definitely important glad you did that but um now are your guys' price list are your guys' price list like solid like if i'm picking this shirt this you know this many colors is that the price are you constantly looking at what the shirt cost is and then this is a print price you asking no i stick to it because we we, we have a yeah. Well, we used to do that for years where we had, um, cause that's how I learned to do it when I was a, like another print company when I first started is they just had like straight up, like once a year they would change their pricing. They would be like, all right, a Gildan 5,000, one oh, color no. front, two color back. This is a price. And then I felt like for so long when, even when I was there, I was kind of like, you would find out, you would like actually look at the price of like a hoodie or something and be like, we're losing money on this. Mm. And they're like, well, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's just what it is. So we, we've always done it where like we have, this is all the pricing, like this is what we want to make on every print. So every time we quote somebody, we go to like whatever wholesaler we're using, like SNS or Broder or whatever. And we'll be like, all right, like a, you know, belly canvas 3001 CVC is, you know, say it's 344. Then we have this pricing over here that we're like, okay, it's a two color front, three color back. This is what we're adding for printing, put them together. Hmm. That's the price. Because cotton changes so much. Like the price of t-shirts on the website changes like, I feel like weekly. So yeah. I just don't want yeah, to screw Yeah, I should probably pay money. better attention to that. Actually, I didn't realize they changed that much. I mean, we have we have kind of a tier system set up for good, better, best. And yeah. we use a lot of the same brands. We use the 3001 or yeah. the 3001 CBC like a lot. And we use a lot of all made and AS color and that's, and then some Gildan, we print for con- some construction workers and contractors and, and we, you know, 
we'll print on Gildan or Haynes. We'll print on whatever people want, but we try to steer them towards some of the fashion brands. Yeah. And so we usually start with that. So, yeah, I mean, we've got it set up into those categories and I don't look at the pricing enough. Yeah, I would just check. I would check like periodically. I mean, it doesn't have to be every day, but I would check maybe like once right. a week or once every two weeks and make sure the price is the same because it definitely changes, especially I feel like hoodies the most. Like you well, can be yeah. like, oh, like the price of this hoodie is $10. And then a month later, you're like, oh, it's eleven forty nine. So like for all for that whole month or whatever, you you were a dollar forty nine losing a dollar forty nine on all those hoodies because you were going off of the old pricing. For for us it, it doesn't matter because the the matrix, our pricing matrix uh, for the, screen printing the actual is, matrix, right? Yeah. Like Neo. <laughs> it is printing only. And so we have the printing cost and then we go look on S and S or whoever has the shirts. And then we take that shirt. If it's a t-shirt, it's times 1.2. And if it's a fleece, it's 1.5. And so like, if you have, uh, you just mentioned that the shirt was 344. We would take that 344 times 1.2 and we re-raise it 20% uh, because we're guaranteeing the shirt. And so, and, and, you know, I'll show a customer that I don't care if the customer sees that the, the shirt's $3 and 44 cents because uh, and I'll say that we 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 mark it up twenty percent because we're guaranteeing that shirt. So if you come back here, it doesn't matter if you come back here in a month or in three months. If this, the print washed out or the shirt's torn, I don't care. We're going to fix the shirt. And so that's that twenty percent is for the markup. It's for guaranteeing. And that's and you mentioned earlier, like if the contract comes to you and gives you the shirts, you know they drop they ship the shirts to your and dropped at your dock or whatever. You're not liable for those. I'm not liable for those shirts. So I didn't buy them. And if there's a hole in them, it's not my problem. You know, and so right. that's why uh, that's why we mark it up. And so that way, um, it's really easy because there's so many different shirt pricing. Uh, like you said, it fluctuates, and there's so many different shirts. There's so many SKUs that, in general, mo there's the most popular. You know, there's really popular ones that we use a lot. But sometimes somebody comes in and says, "I want a long sleeve." You know, um, three thousand yeah. one, whatever it is, thirty five and one or something. How do you know what that color long sleeve is? And so just look it up. One point two. Add your screen printing pricing. Yeah, so we're basically doing the same thing. It's just you're you're adding the one point whatever to the blank. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but so, so just know, keep but, an eye on that, I guess. Yeah, don't get stung. Well, this is going to show. <laughs> I'm almost embarrassed to say it, but we, um, well, years ago when it was just me. I made the pricing so that I just give the customer one price and that includes the shirt and the printing and we don't charge any setup fees. And so I've stuck with it because I like the simplicity of it. And after I read Steve Jobs book um, about building the iPhone and, you know, being able to deliver something to the customer that is a nice, neat little package was really inspiring to me. And I mean, it, it's worked, I think, but because of that, you know, we have our grids, we have multiple, the matrices, the matrices, and we have the grid set up, but I think that, you know, at some point it might make more sense for us to actually price out shirts and printing costs and then maybe set up fees. It just adds up. Like you don't think about it. Like you might be comfortable yeah. at work. You're getting by whatever. But if you really sit down and look at like what you're making per shirt or you do actually do the math, like there's people out there that have like full plug and play things of being like, how many employees do I have? How many people on press? Like, what is this time? 
it'll tell you exactly like how much money you should make. Like that stuff's crazy when you really get into that. A lot of people don't. They just look at like five competitors and they're like, as long as I'm five cents cheaper, that's what I'll go with. And that's when you really right. get, that's really when you really screw yourself over is because you're just trying to compete and they're trying to compete. And then you guys are just whittling prices down to nothing. And then... Well, I know we're not the cheapest in town and we don't try to be the cheapest in town, but as the business owner, that it, those that number crunching is not my strength. And yeah, so... It's not mine either. It, yeah. I mean, I, if I had my, my goal would be to work myself into just doing marketing and branding and some that's exactly what I'm doing to people. Yeah. yeah. But this like nitty gritty is sort of, I need some help probably. Yeah. I just feel like if you, if you do the math and figure out, you know what I said, like if you are constantly adjusting for like the shirt cost. So if you're doing like what me and Andy do, where we take the shirt cost and then we add our price, you're almost guaranteed mm-hmm. not to screw yourself. You know what I mean? Like you're never going right. to lose money. You're, you're getting what you're supposed to get. Yeah. The, the big deal is to make sure you hold up your end of the bargain with the customer. Like Andy said, if something goes wrong, you fix it. Like, no, like, right. eh, let me try to weasel my way out of it. It's like, you'll keep that customer no matter what the price is, as long as they know, no matter what you're going to take care of them. Um, but just the extra dollars of like paying attention to the shirt cost, I feel like is big. Couple right. things. I'm just, Amy, I'm just like you in that um, we don't charge screens you know that's all included so when i give a customer a price it's like that's the price it includes the shirt and the printing it's just that when we're when we're calculating it i separate the two um and then give them the final just price you know it includes all inclusive price but um and because i found i used to charge screens but i uh when we did that people thought for whatever reason that they owned the screens or we kept the screens or something Uh I've had, I had people both to come here and say, hey, can I get my screens? And first of all, I was like, what are you talking about? And then second, uh, um, then they're like, well, you know, I came here a year ago and I paid screen charges. Just can't you just print them? Why am I? I don't get it. Like, why am I paying them again? You know, and so right. uh, I got rid of them altogether because it was just too many, too much trouble. Um, I don't Dylan, did that happen to you? Did you mm-hmm. used to charge screen? Yeah. <laughs> And people so, do that all the time. Like, can you mail me my screens with my order? I'm just like, <laughs> how do I tell them? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, Dude, all inclusive price is definitely. Our um, favorite, our favorite is when we used to have pricing on the website. We don't have pricing on the website anymore. We would get people who would be like, uh, like placing an order and they'd be like, yeah, we want to get these second location prints. Like what brand is second location? And I'm like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like they thought the price, like second location would be like a dollar fourteen, and they're like, yeah, I want those shirts. Like, how, what, I want that second location print. I'm like, that's for the second location on your shirt. Uh, that's awesome, <laughs> dude. We've had that happen multiple times, and it's like, how? Like, how are you a functioning human being right now? Like. <laughs> Um, also our other favorite there's there's a bunch of favorites that we have in the office that constantly happen from customers a is when they call gildan's goldman's (laughs) it happens all the time they're like i'll have those goldman 5000s i'm like oh my god that's not a thing (laughs) and then uh oh shit i just had the other one too oh it's when people uh do uh like a mistype on the computer instead of calling it shirts they call it shits like, can I get oh, 150 shits? Um, <laughs> shit Kong. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's happened. It happens. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dylan, um, 
what do you do when um, somebody calls and asks you for art? You know, like, hey, uh, can I get my art from that job? Because I'm going to usually they say maybe something like, oh, I'm going to get some stickers or something like that. I, I say get that art. I say, oh, the <laughs> and then I hang up the phone. <laughs> Perfect. Even if they've paid the design fee? No, usually if they are a customer that came to us and paid for a design, like they had one of our designers make it for them, they paid the fee. If they want the artwork, I send it to them. Like they paid for it. Yeah, yeah, it sucks. You know in your mind they're probably taking it to another printer, but they paid for that art. There's no way for me to argue with them. But honestly, in the back of my mind, I know they don't know how resolution works. And how the size is. So I almost always send it to them at 72. And I'm like, let the next printer fuck around with it. Like, <laughs> like if, they just, did, if they haven't paid for aggressive. it, then what? If they haven't paid for it, then I'm usually just like, I don't know. Like I said, it depends on the customer. Like it, almost always I'll send it to them as a, like a low resolution. I'll be like, yeah, here it is. And I'll send it, you know, 72 DPI by like 10 inches wide or something. So when they open it on their computer, it looks big. But then when I know they're going to take that complicated print that's got like halftones and shit in it and they send it to their printer at 72, that other printer's going to be like, fuck, mm. this isn't the right thing. And then you know that person doesn't want to come to us and be like, actually, I need the 300 DPI artwork. Mm. And you're like, how did you know that that's what you need? And they're like, oh, I'm at another print shop. <laughs> it's like, I've had that. I had that last week where somebody was sending us their mock-up from a different print shop. And I was like, I can't do it with this. And I also can't ask them. So you can ask them, but I'm not going to. Yeah. Back when we used to do a lot of bands, we'd get that all the time where obviously they were sending us the preview from the designer, not the actual artwork. So they would, they were a cheap ass shitty band, went to a good artist said, Hey, I want to get this. The artist sends them a preview and then says, hey, I'll send you the final artwork when you pay the bill. <laughs> and obviously, they never paid the bill. They just took right. that preview and sent it to us. And they're like, here's our artwork. And it's like, nah, <laughs> dude, I know exactly what you're doing. And it's not going to work. And with bands, it was always like complicated, like super oh, fine yeah. detail stuff. And I'm like, this is not going to work. And then the band's always like, just print it, just print it. And I'm like, dude, shit in, shit out. Like, you give me <laughs> shitty artwork. I'm going to print it with all of that fucking sawtoothing. And they're like, whatever. And then we print it and they get it. And they're like, these look terrible. I'm like, dude, I told you straight up, like, this is not the right size. Artwork. You said print it anyway. Whatever. Like, sorry. That's why we don't do that anymore. Like, I don't want to deal with bottom feeder customers that are just trying to get everything as cheap and as fast as possible. It's like, I just got away from that market completely. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Do you guys have a DTG machine? Uh, Dylan's going to buy a couple of them, I think. That's what he's got. Uh, You know, we we figured that out last week, didn't we? Yeah, whatever. You change your mind? No, I just don't know yet. I, you know what, Andy? I talked to you in confidence thinking that you're going to help me be a bigger person. You know, I'm trying to grow with you. Okay. I thought we were brothers. And uh, <laughs> every chance you get, you throw me under the fucking bus. Dude, I, all I said was, <laughs> uh, I gave you my opinion and then you didn't listen to it. Your opinion was, fine. don't do this. That's not an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, no. So we used to have a DTG. We had, a, um, um, we had one and it, and it worked pretty good. Um, but 
um, for us, we're screen printers and um, um, I don't want to bore everybody with it, but um, we, we never really could make money from it. Now, that's not to say, uh, maybe that's just because of it's, uh, you know, for us, for our shop, for our business model, it was wrong. I think it's right for um, print on demand and that kind of shop that's like, that's, you know, maybe they got a great location, people are always in them and buying shirts or they have a website that's, you know, constantly that has multicolored jobs that, that has a lot of traffic, then it makes sense. But, but for us, it, makes, it made zero sense and it distracted us. We, we spent time on, we spent time doing art. We spent time messing with, you know, with the DTG machine, trying to get the, it to look perfect and doing test prints, all this kind of stuff. And eventually said, um, it's not for us. And we went through that for five years, actually, though, before we got rid of it. Yeah. Well, I was in talks of getting one and I, you know, was kind of trying to pick Andy's brain about it, but it was just kind of like, we've been doing more and more fulfillment for like bigger customers. And there's certain jobs that come through that like, we're, like I said, we're still trying to test the waters with it. We're not by, by any means saying we're like a fulfillment shop where we're offering it to every customer or whatever. We're literally only doing it for certain customers that we know will do well. Like we know they'll sell stuff well, but sometimes they have ideas or they have stuff that comes in that they're like, it's definitely meant for digital. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But what I was saying before was it was for us, it's like a comedian or whatever. And they'll be like, they'll have a joke. They'll have a shirt. They want to get out quick. Most of the time it's like a picture of a person's face and it says something mm-hmm. around it or whatever. And it's like, you don't know how many will sell. Even if it's like 50 to a hundred, it's like, if I could just, when the order came in, put it on DTG, printed it off, sent it out. But like Andy's saying too, like the printer in me wants to make sure it's quality all the time. Like I want to make sure that if it's going out, that shirt's going to last, whatever. I'm doing research right now. I'm not saying I'm going to get all into digital and all this other stuff, but I'm doing the homework right now of, you know, over the past 10 years, the biggest thing with digital has been the white like the underbase, like, is it going to hold? Is it going to fall off the shirt? Is it whatever? I feel like they're starting to get to the point now where they're actually putting out some pretty good quality prints. So like I said, I don't know if I want to get one right now, but it's something I might do in the future where I might get a, you know, a cheaper, like an Epson or whatever digital printer, not like a, you know, the big M and R Maverick or that's a good idea. Just get the cheapest cheapest dtg <laughs> machine that, that's out there it's not what i'm saying but i'm saying the one selling one <laughs> i gave ours away actually but the oh, but the, wow. the one um um oh we talked about matt last uh, i think it's coming out tomorrow is yeah. the hybrid that's what i i'm excited about is actually right. printing. well that's what i was saying is if i can get that and then get into it the market a little bit and then get my toes wet and then when i get a digital squeegee in like four years then I'll be in that market and I'll know more about digital. I'll be more educated. I won't just be jumping into it. Well, the reason I ask is because it's all anyone talks about in the industry. And uh, if we can't do an auto, you know, we could probably fit a DTG machine. So I wonder about it, um, even though the printer and me also hates the idea. Um, But more, we don't do fulfillment, but what I get is like, three times a week, somebody calling and asking to put a picture of their dog on their t-shirt. And so I just always turn those away. And 
I wonder if that is something. As I said, if you have the if you have the market for it, but yeah, it, it just depends, I guess. But yeah, the the big thing with the industry right now is digital, just because everybody's trying to talk about basically the hybrid stuff, or like I said, digital is getting to the point where it's closer to screen printing quality. So mm-hmm. for us, it's like talking more about people that have had the autos. It's just where's the industry going to go in five to ten years? Is it going to be more digital is it going to be more printing the thing that basically everybody's talking about is that dtg needs to be looked at as a tool not a replacement like it needs to just be another tool in your tool belt to be like yeah we can print you know we can screen print 95 percent of these orders but to a point if you're doing stuff like you're always doing 12 14 color prints like these crazy prints like it's more cost effective and more efficient and probably it might even be a better looking print as if you did the white underbase on press and then did a digital print over top. So that's where it's kind of yeah, crossing over sense. is people being like, it's a tool at that point of like, I'm still screen printing the one to five color prints all day long. But when I'm doing these high color count stuff, like if I can put a digital thing on my auto to cover those huge prints, then that's yeah, well, I don't want to do, I don't want to make a t-shirt with a picture of somebody's dog on it. So when they call here, I'm going to say, <laughs> you need to call Upstate Merch. He specializes in pictures of dogs, I guess, on shirts. We're going to make, such, research. We're gonna make <laughs> so many fucking cool dog shirts and I'm going to, I'm going to send you boxes of them. Andy, yeah, you'll get, be so jealous. Yeah, yeah, Andy. You'll be like, man, I wish I did it. You were right, Dylan. You were right. I'm going to call it Dog Kong, and I'm going to make my own DCG print. (laughs) So anyway, back to talking about real printing. Uh, So what's, I guess, what in your mind is next then? What do you think you're going to do? You're going to hold off for a year or two, or are you going to try to do something else? Yeah, I mean, just because of the current state of the economy and the pandemic, and I it's just not a time to make big moves, which I feel good about that. I just had to talk it out a little bit. Um, we have a year and a half left on our current lease. So right now that is my goal is to get to that finish line and then make a big move. And I, I do want to get an auto and I would really love to add embroidery. Um, and there's a potential I've, talk to somebody in town about a partnership for that. So that could be on our radar. Yeah. That's what we do. Yeah. We actually have a place literally right across the street that does embroidery and it makes no sense for me to get embroidery equipment when I can just walk it across the street. The problem that I have is that like we've learned, you can never fully learn screen printing. Like you, I mean, you can know like a ton about it, but there's always new things. There's always things changing. It's like, I'd rather master in my mind, at least master printing than to be like, for me, um, embroidery is like a whole nother world. Like I would, it would take me forever to like keep to try to learning screen printing, but also put my mind in a set of like, let me learn to master embroidery. And it's like the people across the street, the lady has been doing it forever. She has like a crew of Mm -hmm. like whatever, five people. It's like, that's all they do all day long is embroidery, like nothing else. So I would, I feel better just being like, Hey, like, let's work out a deal. I'll send all my customers from embroidery to you. Um, so that works really well for us. So that might, you know, that might be better than getting an embroidery machine is just finding somebody, you know, that does really good work, especially if they're close, then it's nice to just be able to drop it off and pick it up. 
yeah, that's, I, I know enough to know not to just buy an embroidery machine and try to figure it out because it's a whole big learning curve, just like screen printing. So we have a good, good relationship with somebody who's also been doing it for a really long time. So, yeah. Did you, um, you got involved with SGIA, didn't you? Are you like you on the, Yeah. you were on the board for something, right? Yeah. So I'm currently on the board, the garment decorators of America board at SGIA, which is, it's been an interesting experience. I mean, I like it because, um, just being such a small shop, it's just like going to trade shows. It's been a great way for me to get a better understanding of the industry as a whole, even if it's not always the best fit for me. And I, in the beginning, at least didn't really feel like I belong there because it's the, it's huge shops, you know, and people that own 10 autos. Right. But they need, um, but they need to hear from you. Yeah. I think that was the idea um, is that, you know, I represent the small shop and the just from the garage shop. So um, I've, I've tried to input that, that side of it to the board. I don't you know. I'm one voice out of 15. So um, I like, I like getting to be a part of that, um, especially because we put on ThreadX. Mm-hmm. Well, that's and where we you, first met. You've gone, right? Oh, yeah, right on. You mean I, you and Andy or you and I? You, me and you. We had, we, I don't know if you remember this, but I had <laughs> breakfast or lunch with you, the first ThreadX. Oh, yeah. I do remember that. What I remember is running into you on the floor of ISS. Yep. You had like an entourage. There was like four, four dudes behind you. Everyone dressed it's my in black. Secure, security. <laughs> and all, all the yeah. fans were, were mm-hmm. lining up for autographs. And stuff. Yeah. And I was parting them out of the way. There's a big <laughs> deal over there. Oh, it's Dylan. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, the, just the insight and being able to be a part of planning that and then to be able to attend it was, was great. I didn't get to go to the last one, sadly, but... Oh, really? That's, I, that's the one I was at, was just a few months ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I, is it just attendance, or is there other reasoning behind it being the last one? Oh, I don't know if it was the last one forever. I know there's not going to be one next year. Oh. I just meant the, the previous one. I hadn't right. gotten a chance to go to that. Although, um, do you know about my scooter accident? Yeah, I saw that. I did not. <laughs> what happened? Well, after one of these Garment Decorator of America committee meetings, here I am in Arizona just trying to hang out with the big wigs, these guys that own the big print shops. And so we go out drinking, and I was trying to hang, and I had too much to drink, and I crashed my e-scooter and ended up in the ER. And you had like to get six. Get your whole chin got scarred up or something? Yeah. Yeah, it was really awesome. Oh, Did you just like face plant? Yeah, I think if I remember right, Justin Lawrence of Oklahoma Shirt Company was at the head. And I don't know if you've been on those things, but to my credit, they are very dangerous. <laughs> and so we're headed back to the hotel. There's probably six or seven of us. And then you just you just go rent, rent, and you go <laughs> if you're me, you just go piling off the sidewalk and hit your face into the street so <laughs> ended up with a bunch of gravel in my Did face you do one of those where so, you hung on to the bar and went down 
<laughs> yes, probably. I'm sure it looked amazing. Um, yeah, so those guys were great. They put me in an Uber. I went, got stitched up. Just totally wonderful. Um, and then shortly after that was Thread X, and I I didn't go to that one. Um, so it was like in February of this year, where you got that you guys were at. Mm-hmm. But uh, Alexa, that you guys recently had on in house prints, um, Alexa and I, because she's a female screen printer, I've followed her on Instagram for a long time, and and so I'd been looking forward to going to that Thread X and meeting her in person. But then I ended up not going. Um, and so we were messaging and she was like, are you the one that ate shit on the scooter? And I was like, yeah, that's me. I'm glad I was talked about it. ThreadX, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was funny. And I've told this story a couple of times where basically you sent me a message on Instagram or whatever. And we're like, Hey, you plan on going to ThreadX this year? And I was like, I was like, I don't know. I saw the speakers and like, honestly, like, it just doesn't look like anything that great to me this year. Like, I don't know if I'm interested in any of the speakers and stuff. And I was like, I was like, the first year I went was really good, but I don't think it's going to be that good this year. And I was like, why, why do you ask? And like, Oh, well I'm planning it. And I was just like, Oh, <laughs> I instantly like sat back, like no joke and was like, Oh God, like, why do I do this oh, to myself? No. <laughs> oh, I didn't, I didn't even think twice about that. Cause I agreed with you. And there's a subcommittee that picks the speakers. And yeah. I've, su- I've suggested a few, none of mine ever get picked. So, well, like, I know like there's, there was definitely good people there and good people speaking, but like, yeah, I've heard it all before. Like I've heard Draplin speak like three times mm-hmm. and like, you know, some of these other people, like I've heard their stories. Like I'm that print nerd that's like on the internet watching everybody's YouTube videos and all these things. And like people give speeches about like their life story and how they got to where they are. And it's like, then they're all at an event and you're like, well, do I pay, you know, do I pay like two grand to go to this event and sit down and hear it all over again? Or especially for me too. Like I've, I've talked to like other people about this, like me and Ryan Moore were talking about this a little while ago. And I was like, dude, I'm in New York. Like, all these big events yeah. that happen are like in LA or Arizona. It's like, I literally have to fly across the whole fucking country to get there. And then that alone is like a whole day trip. So like, it's like a day there, a day back. And then, you know, it's expensive to do these things. And plus it's like in the middle of like a work week or whatever. And we'll fly of, here first yeah. and then you can, you know, chill Hang here for, for a few little days. Bit. Yeah. So it won't be such a big this, deal, you know? Yeah. Stop by St. Louis. Yeah. But there needs to be more like East Coast events. Nobody wants to go to there. Print? Everybody here is it's just too angry. Far for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though. It is. It's a stereotype, but it's true. Everybody here is fucking miserable. Thank you. <laughs> and and from what I hear, everybody on the East Coast dresses nicer because when I've had friends come out here, I've lived in Oregon my whole life and they've been like, people are casual here. <laughs> everyone's yeah. in sneakers yep yeah i mean it is nice like like we really like um like iss uh out in la just because it's different you know what i mean like me and the guys from work will all go and for us it's the best part of like hanging out with you guys or you know anybody on the street and uh, me, me and andy i think we had this discussion but it was just like fun shit happens like we'll we'll walk along and we'll see you guys at the at a restaurant or whatever. And we'll be like, Hey, yeah, we already ate here, but you know, let's hang later. And then we'll walk out to a street corner and then we'll see a shop walk by and be like, Hey, and then talk to them. And then another shop walks by and you're like, Hey, and then eventually there's like 35 shops on a street corner just shooting the shit. And it's just like, 
that to me is worth the trip alone of just like hanging with people and bullshitting. Yeah. You go to the show, you see like new stuff. You're like, Oh, that's cool. You're literally there for like two hours. And then the rest of the day, it's just like, what trouble can we find? And what can we do? It that's really is fun. Really fun. Yeah. I, I hope, I hope that there's one next year. That's what I was I just really going to say. Do. I really hope it, it happens in January. I know. I have yeah. a feeling right now it's not going to happen, but mm. I've actually been talking to certain industry people or whatever that are saying that due to like coronavirus stuff, these other companies are getting crafty and getting out of the old molds of like, this is what we have, you know, like, like say you're a manufacturer of equipment or whatever, like for years and years and years to stay relevant with the, all the other manufacturers, it was like the thing to do. You know what I mean? Like be in the print magazines, go to all the trade shows. Like those things are expensive. Like, you know, getting a booth at a trade show for like any company, like MNR, Rock, like Ryan, all these people, it's like, it's like a million dollars or some, something to like do some of these huge booths. And it's like, now that this has happened, it kind of put the brakes on it and people are thinking of new ways to do things. And they're like, oh, well, why don't we do like a virtual trade show or something where we just like walk people around the facility and talk about our equipment. And it's like, yeah, I get that as a company, it's like saves you money and like you have a bigger audience because not everybody can fly to LA, but like, it ruins it for people that want to go to like a bar with their other print buddies and like do karaoke and like, I think so. it'll be, I think it'll, I think you're right. I think it's a little bit of both. I bet we see more virtual trade shows and then also still there will be that traditional trade show, but just less yeah. of them. You know what I mean? Well, that was the thing it's too. Like, like even Ryan was saying, he's like, he told me how many there were a year, like how many trade shows there were. Right. And it was like a crazy number, like way more than I thought. But I was like, we should at least keep the big ones. You know what I mean? Like every, the big, obviously the big one is the one in January in LA. And mm-hmm. it's like, like that one should stay. And like maybe like a couple across the country, but to have like, you know, I don't remember how many, it's like 80 trade shows a year or something. I was like, oh dude. God. Yeah, crazy. I remember him saying that. And right, it's it does seem like four or five or six a year would be yeah. enough. And if there was some variety like, ISS is so great if you're in the market to buy new equipment, which yeah. I really haven't been. But then um, ThreadX was so great because it's so much more intimate. You're actually yeah. getting to sit and talk to people and yeah. be in the. I, I, I loved it. Like the first, the, the first ThreadX was the one I went to, um, and yeah. I thought it was amazing. Like it was way better than I thought it was going to be. Like it was nice to sit in a room and like. It was a nice, comfortable room, comfortable chairs. Like we sat down and we, you know, listened to everybody speak. But to me is a person who loves food. Um, like that was one of the best parts too. It was like, oh, it's lunchtime. Let's go eat like super good catered food on the lawn and like talk. Yeah, to all that these was a good like, one. That one, I was like, dang, like it's worth a trip. Dylan, Plus, that was did you go? Hmm. I'm, go sorry, ahead, I'm sorry. Did you? Oh, uh, at that one, I went back to my hotel after the the whole day of speakers, I was actually so inspired and I was just going to go work on my business. So I didn't go to the late night thing, but they gave away a t-shirt gun. Did you go to that? <laughs> I was I so don't mad. Know. I wanted one so bad. I went, what did I end up doing? I ended up bar hopping with a couple people. Um, yeah. but I don't think, I don't think I was there for t-shirt gunning. I think they had like a, they had like a mixer or something afterwards. It was like part of the event of like, go to this thing. And I think me and a couple other shops were like, screw that. Let's just go find the dive bars in town. And I think right. that's what we ended oh, up doing. Well, 
next time find me i like the dive bars okay yeah you're welcome to hang with me anytime in my entourage <laughs> and we won't ride hey we're way too cool for lime scooters so you don't have to worry <laughs> oh, about that <laughs> I think I exceed. Me. I think I exceed the weight limit on those things. Anyway, you'd probably see like a smoke trail behind me. <laughs> it was ridiculous how easy that was. I mean, we walked up to it. I didn't have the app. I'd never ridden one before. We don't have them in our in my town. Yeah, we I mean, know. within like, I just pushed a couple of buttons and that thing lit up, and I just went. Ree! They're cool. Just not smart. No helmets. I remember we went to Long Beach uh, and there was a, I won't say their name, but there was a shop that went with us that, uh, I love how hers is frozen right now. (laughs) Are you there? Can you hear us? There it is. (laughs) Sorry, I'm back now. What did I miss? You you, you were in a real good pose when it locked up. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. It was good. Hey Dylan, before we go, is that a megaphone back there on your, on your, is that how you yell at the shop? Yeah. That's oh, you've so, been going to so, the protests. Yeah, yeah. This is for protesting. Can you demo? Can you, can you hear? Ah, <laughs> uh, no, ah. Uh. It's too close to this. Too close <laughs> to my mic. You can go downtown Portland with that. Yeah. No, I, I've honestly like never used it. I think we had it here for like a joke at one point. Yeah. We buy a lot of things here that are for like one-time jokes, and then <laughs> like there's a lot of random things in this office right now that are from that but yeah it's been here for a while i think i found it in a box the other day and it's just sitting here we're still like waiting boxing. for that plant yeah we're boxing everything up for the for the reno next door so it's kind of empty in here right now but hey amy thanks for doing this with us i'm glad uh glad you got to do it thanks so much for having me on and also just for doing this podcast because it's it's nice to listen to podcasts about screen printing i always feel like a little bit validated like not the only one that doesn't always know what i'm doing (laughs) well yeah that's that's like part of it and me and andy have had that discussion is just kind of like the whole idea is to like show that we all have like make shitty mistakes like just because you're a bigger shop doesn't mean you still don't do things wrong and the thing with screen printing is it's such an art form that like there's a million ways to do it like you do it a certain way, but that doesn't make it wrong. Like as long as the end product comes out good and your customer's happy and the shirt lasts and doesn't wash off, I feel like you're doing something right. So half the time, uh, half the time I have a decision to make, I'm just guessing and uh, hoping it comes out. And if it doesn't, then I've just gotten really good at pivoting and saying, okay, well that was a terrible decision. Let's do this instead, you know? And so like, oh yeah, hire Steve. He's awesome. And then two weeks later, Steve sucks. You know, and so it's like, <laughs> that one's the worst. And you know, you, that's the worst. You got to figure. You know, it's just that. so decisions are. Uh, you're just a lot of times you're just taking the, your best guess. You know, and um, they don't, and just not be afraid to that they're wrong. And then as as soon as possible, uh, just pivot, do something else. That's what I've. I think the biggest thing is anyway. to just to just be willing to constantly improve and like do research and like be involved. Like you said, like doing yeah. SGIA, like that alone makes you feel like you want to grow all the time and like learn new things from all these people. Um, it's like this podcast, like we're, we're me and Andy are bullshitting and talking to each other, but we're talking to you and like, you might give us a nugget of information that we didn't know. And like, we're learning, like when you were talking about the paper wraps or something, or like just being you know, right. eco-friendly and stuff like that. Neither of us, like we're, we're trying, but like, that's not like a huge thing that 
we're learning right now. So like you might have something for us that we didn't know. And I mean, there's tons, I don't know. I don't know a lot of shit. I just have been doing this for 10 years. It doesn't make me smart. Well, and that's why I appreciate the podcast is because the more I listen to these, I realize everyone is just figuring it out and yeah. we're not so far off base. Yeah. And you're, Dylan's not as smart as I thought he was. So <laughs> now, 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 damn it. Now it's recorded. <laughs> Obvious. The world Entourage. knows now. Yeah. yeah. They're actually cardboard cutouts that I have on wires <laughs> that follow me around. <laughs> Well, but thanks hey, a lot, you guys. No problem. We'll see you later. Thanks, Amy. Okay. See ya. See ya. Have a good day.